For this episode of GDP, we're taking a chapter from Radio Fast, a podcast about teaching online during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Radio Fast, the podcast dedicated to discussing all issues related to online learning in the time of the pandemic. Tune in to listen to colleagues and experts discuss tips, tricks, and the moral conundrums of teaching online in a socially distanced world. I'm your host, Bob Hewish, from the Department of International Development Studies, right here in Fast. doing this. We're going to be teaching online using online learning environments. Now, by now, we've probably all got some level of experience or familiarity with the online learning environment, and I'm sure we've all got our own opinions about it as well in terms of how well it works, how well it doesn't, frustrations, maybe even elations. That said, I wanted to bring in someone on this episode of Radio Fast to talk about some of the challenges that most professors will face putting together an online learning environment and how to overcome them. And just like a writer who's staring at a blank page, or just like the person who's got a gym membership in their pocket and who is yet to go out the door to go to the gym, the hardest part is often the first step, to look at a blank learning environment and to figure out how do I go forward from here. So we know that authors have their tips and tricks, and we also know that when it comes to staying physically fit, especially in the time of a pandemic, it can be very difficult. That uh, to work out at home, to be self-directed can be very difficult, can be frustrating, and it may not deliver the results that you're looking for. If you have the opportunity to join an exercise class, perhaps it gets easier. But if you have the ability to have a one-on-one training session with a personal trainer, the results are actually noticeable and it's even more enjoyable in many cases. And this is why I wanted to introduce professors here in FAST to Robert Beliveau, your personal trainer for online learning. And today on Radio FAST, we're very happy to have Robert Beliveau here. He's a full-time training officer with Halifax Regional Fire and Emergency and also the super administrator for their D2L Brightspace learning environment. He's the initiator of the business case RFP, eventual implementation and now learning delivery. Rob has been instrumental in helping Halifax Fire convert many of their courses to an online or blended model. Rob has spoken at several D2L fusion conferences and also sits on the fusion steering committee and excellent awards judging panel. Our Robert Bellavo, curler, former hockey player, generally busy guy. He's now started working on his next chapter to assist and impact the world of e-learning in new and exciting ways. And as someone who's worked with Rob on developing D2L, I'm very happy to say that he's very good at this. Rob, welcome to Radio Fast. Thanks, Bob. Really, really happy to be here. It's, I'm so glad you're able to join us. Uh, as you know, this is a podcast designed for faculty members who are diving headfirst into almost an entirely online world of teaching, to which many never have done before. 
of course, we we have the Brightspace D2L platform at Dalhousie, and there's a lot of different levels of comfort with it. This is this is your jam. You are the fellow who makes this work well. Uh, you've done excellent work with the city of Halifax and fire and emergency. And really, Rob, I just want to ask you to take it from the beginning. Say that you're a professor at Dalhousie. You've been assigned to teach a new course and the CLT opens up your new empty Brightspace page. Where do we begin? Well, Bob, thanks. It's a, uh... It's quite a loaded question for the uh, for the beginning of this podcast, and there's a lot to to cover. But really, um, you know, this is all going to start with you looking at that course as a, as an opportunity, uh, taking the challenge to say, um, how can I improve my learner outcome? Not how will my learner suffer because I'm online. Rob's approach with this is actually really important because a lot of the strategies so far for developing curriculum and coping with the COVID-19 pandemic has been about trying to adapt, trying to cope, and about suffering quietly throughout the experience. But Rob's point is that this could be an opportunity for improvements. And really, it's the glass half full, glass half empty philosophy that online learning um, has now got a new platform and a new breath of life to uh, let professors look at this as, as a way to improve learner outcome. And actually, as I'll talk about in, in some different uh, spots in today's uh, chat session, about improving their balance of workload with students and also their balance of workload with, with uh, faculty development and, and, and research. So to see this time as glass half full, according to Rob, what we need to do is worry more about being in touch with what we know that we already do very well within a real class setting. So you, you have your curriculum, you've taught that uh, for many sessions or offerings before, and you know it like clockwork coming in and out of your classrooms or labs, and you're very comfortable with it. And now you're going to be thrown into this new environment that you're not sure how to deliver that same quality of teaching that you knew you were delivering in the, in the classroom uh, space. Rob runs a service called Your Chief Learning Officer, and his website is yclo.ca, where he does exactly that. He gets in touch with faculty to help them develop online learning platforms that actually complement their own teaching strengths. So we're going to look at your curriculum and we're going to look at that base content and say, okay, what mediums are they available in? Are they available in, in, in PDFs? Are they available in uh, digital other HTML files, videos? Um, how, how can I look at my base core content? And is it already digitized or not? And it may involve you going down a small path to try to get um, some of those assets in the, in the digital form. And, and it is encouraging over the last few years, I've seen a, a huge trend in uh, publishers starting to convert many of their textbooks and making those assets digitally available. And, and a lot of times it's just a matter of, of digging into the libraries and finding them. So uh, start finding your content in, in electronic form. And, you know, I would highly recommend um, don't, don't fix what's, you know, what's not broken and, and look at your course and just start laying it out the way you did lay it out in your, in your non-online world, um, because that's what you're going to be comfortable with. And once you do that, that'll give you your baseline to start the 
you know, the online conversion, this, this transitional process that you're going to go through that says, okay, I'm not in the classroom anymore. I'm not delivering this by lecture. How are my students going to look at these digital assets and these things? And how are they still going to go through them and achieve their, their outcome? Um, and so the course design and the workflow for students is where you're going to start from, you know, after you get this bulk loading of things in there. One of the things, I mean, if I could just be a bit self-critical of, of, of faculty at the moment under the current situation, I think there's something that, you know, wasn't intentionally said in a, in a you know, confusing way, but there is a certain problem to it. And that is a lot of the faculty who are going online, there's this sense that we've been told to just take your courses online, just, just make them digital. And, and the way that that sounds is like, okay, there's a certain process or a certain sequence of buttons that I have to push. And then suddenly my online, my, my in-person course will now just be online. And I think that's erroneous on how many people approach this online world. And in the sense that it's not just about converting one experience into a digital format of it. There's actually a lot of opportunity within the system to perhaps improve some learning outcomes along the way. You're, you're and right I wonder, on. And I wonder if that's just because many faculty have seen sort of the history of these of, of Brightspace and its predecessors as something where we post notes, we post our lecture slides afterwards. It's a way to connect email lists. It essentially is seen by some as a as basically a static bulletin board that could have been on our hallways. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and if that was the case, then Dalhousie and others would be investing just in glorified websites with the ability for you to upload your PowerPoint. Um, they haven't done that. And there's a reason they haven't done that. They've invested heavily in online learning management systems, which is LMS for short, and Brightspace being clearly one of the leaders in the world in this in this atmosphere, um, the tools that professors have available to them, um, you don't know what you don't know, but you're going to know soon that you have the best tools possible to improve learner outcome in an online world by using by using Brightspace environment. And and so you're I think you're spot on with that and. You know, we talk about things like self-assessments. We talk about discussion boards. We talk about groups and surveys, checklists, and all of these tools have small places in your course that one tool its own is not going to be the delivery of your course. But finding creative ways to give the students these different tools to use actually creates what you know this idea of these calls to action for students to interact with your material i asked rob straight up how these tools could be an improvement of what we'd expect to offer in class you're in a lecture and you uh one of 200 people you're at the front you're, you're the professor at the front of the classroom and you can see that student in the back of the class that really wants to put their hand up they really wish they could ask that question and they're just not going to do it and, and now in an online world, if you make something like, you know, uh, submit your question type form using something like either Microsoft Forms or the D2L survey tool, 
or you have a discussion board that is personalized to just one learner or just one user, which you can do, you now are creating a direct channel to your learners that you didn't have before, not even through things like office hours. So those tools are out there. And, and the other thing with the online learning world that I think there's a, a lot of you know misconceptions about is the idea that it's it's not as good, but not only is it not as good as it's it's watered down and it's not as personalized. And and in fact, each well has some incredible tool sets. One of the concerns that we've heard a few times, even within this podcast series, is how students feel connected and engaged and directly in communication with their instructor, even though it's in an online format. I asked Rob about this, and he turned me towards a very interesting tool that's available on Brightspace. Research replace strings. And I think you'll find, you know, there's an ability to uh, add in the student's name, your course name, and different things in very, you know, specific spots that the learner's going to think that you're speaking to them through the system, but you're not really doing that. The system is doing it because you've set it up that way. And that's a different level of interaction with your student that, um, you're not going to have in the lecture environment, and but yet now they're going to be in the online environment consuming the equivalent of your lecture material. Okay, so I, you know, you're going to have a relatability that you're going to be able to improve, and you know, you have other tools like intelligent agents, which I encourage everyone to 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 look into and release conditions, and you know, release conditions can allow certain types of content to be viewed. Uh, based on predetermined rules, like if somebody gets over a 70, they get a congratulatory content module. Or if they get under 70, we re-release another module that says, hey, we saw you had a problem with that. Um, maybe you need some extra study. There's a lot of tools where you can direct learning pathways for your student that you wouldn't be able to do in your lecture-based or even sometimes group and lab-based uh, environments because you're also constricted by time. Whereas online, your students aren't as constricted by time because they will be moving in more of a, um, in an asynchronous, you know, mode online in conjunction with your course timeline to consume the content. So, um, and, and, you know, that really leads me to one of my final kind of points on as a tip for, for a prof is, you know, uh, office hours, you know, I still highly encourage uh, professors to to publicize and hold office hours in the online world. I think that's a really important point, Rob. Uh, you know, without those office hours, there's a tendency to get into a real spiraling hell of email exchanges. And these are things, uh, emails are now going to come to us literally globally. There's going to be no time of day now with students around the world where your email account won't be receiving messages from students. So to be sort of an active and attentive monitoring your email will actually distract a lot away from your own social yeah. life, from your, your time away from the course, which as an instructor is really important. But you're right. Uh, last summer, I did, a, I did an online course where I did exactly what you mentioned. Different softwares were used. But the idea is that students could book a, a time slot and boom, I would show up on a screen and be, hello. And there were, you know, repeat offenders who would, who would come to that. They, they, they actually felt that uh, that was something that they look forward to, have a few chats, 
And there was a really good personal connection that came out of that. One of the things you mentioned about asynchronous learning, and this is something that the university is widely encouraged. And, you know, especially for the larger classes uh, where it's just about comprehension and, and, and certain knowledges, not always for the discussion element of it. Uh, this summer, I'm, I'm teaching uh, what is equivalent now of three courses, and there's over 300 students enrolled uh, into these courses over the summer months. And everything is asynchronous. And the last week, I've been tailoring and tinkering with it. But when these courses start, uh, I have a very strong sense that the amount of effort to to sort of manage these things when they're live because they've they've been built in this particular uh, particular way will actually be quite minimal. Uh, it, it'll be something that'll be with its opportunities to engage students, but it won't be this crushing uh, level of work that one would instantly expect from taking on 300 students over the Yeah, summer. no, when, when you plan it, when you plan it, it will save you time in the long run for sure. Your skill sets, I think, are really, really important. Uh, one of the things with with D2L and with many of the the online learning platforms is you've said earlier um, when we we're chatting earlier that there's a lot of different ways to get to the same result by by all the tools and options within the system. And we sat down for a chat for about half an hour. And again, I consider myself fairly well versed on this. After that chat the the course went from pretty good to it blew the rest of my hair back although i don't have much hair but what was remaining was blown back yeah so um absolutely and, and you know i'm i'm glad that uh, our time was was uh, hair blowing for you that's that's great to hear and you know these are things where um just having the, some knowledge with the tool sets knowing the tools and having a plan is going to be really important and you know, back to your asynchronous, uh, your asynchronous example on that. A big thing is actually telling your learner what <clears throat> conditions they're going to work under in the online environment. And, and when I say that, uh, letting them know what their path is intended to be online so that they're not going to spend half the time fumbling through the system and tools to figure out what you wanted them to do. You put that right up front in your syllabus or you put it in some type of introductory model so that they can get to the content and do the activities and get the results that you want them to have, you know, right away. Having this plan uh, and using these tools is the difference of, you know, going to the gym and going through the motions or going through the gym and, and, and having results, right? Actually yeah. having results. So, um, and, you know, for you as a professor, you know, if you're not, if you're not organized, the learners are going to see it right away. And, you know, your trust is going to be, could be put in question. I, I use this example and I, I, you know, imagine your first university course, a new professor comes in, you know, their shirts half hanging out, they're barely holding onto the books. Uh, they come in, they put their projector down or their, sorry, their laptop, and they're trying to plug into the projector they get that kind of going. Of course, all the students in the in the classroom are. What are they doing? What are they doing, Bob? Well, they're they're. I, I see that you've attended one of my classes, Rob. And uh, <laughs> what and and what what happens usually is they become very distracted. Uh, they start talking amongst themselves. They may look at you out of the corner of your eye with a subtle hint of disdain. Right, right. And in the online world now, where are they going to do that? 
they are going to do it in chat forums. Right. They are going to do it in ways that they can communicate that you don't know they're communicating about. And what's worse is when you get that computer set up and you're trying to find the file to load it and you're fumbling through your folders and you go to load it, uh, your last insult to injury is that you open up that presentation that you know you've worked hours on as a professor and you're like, this is great. And then you mm-hmm. get to slide three and that embedded video doesn't play. Oh, the, that classic, classic. Right? right? Yep. Well, I want to help set professors up so they're not that professor in the online world. Right. 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 And I, I think that's going to be so valuable, Rob. Like we can go through maybe a couple of the tools, for the ideas, but uh, one of the things that that I think we we can see as being a challenge is that because there's there's so much opportunity with with using these different tools with mapping out how your content shapes up on Brightspace to direct people on where to go. Yeah. But Brightspace actually has that that opportunity where even from the the home page, the landing page, you can start directing students either as a group or various individuals at certain tasks or content where they need to go, right? It doesn't have to be let's all go explore through and and take 10 minutes clicking away to find the right thing. There's ways to direct people at exactly what you want them to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, that tool set can become very valuable when you look at your broad spectrum of learners and you look at maybe some of your at-risk learners that you need to put on pathways of additional need to know information. And some of your other learners who are clearly excelling at your content, you may load in things online that are nice to know pieces of information that again, in the traditional classroom setting, you're not going to be able to reach those learners those A A plus learners that you want to really put over the top with, you know, more uh, complex theories and more complex knowledge, you can have those modules preset online and have the conditions set. So when those academic academic achievements are in place, it opens up yep. that content for them to even reach even further on nice to know and maybe not graded, but but mm-hmm. enhanced learning. And, and that framework is, is something that as you prepare your curriculum, you're going to find that you can extend further than you were ever able to extend before. Well, when I started doing my, uh, my podcast class, the, the basic idea is that students listen to a podcast, they take a quiz that pops up immediately. They have to get uh, over 50% on the quiz in order to open up the next podcast. And if they don't get it, they, they stay there. Uh, the quiz can be repeated as many times as they want in order to get that score. And with every question in the quiz, if it's answered erroneously, the feedback is immediate and actually directs them where to go back and listen again in the podcast. Or if the feedback is correct, a personalized message comes up to say, hey, Rob, you got it. Way to go. You know, And those little details actually, I wouldn't call it a game. Uh, but it does engage people a lot more than than just trying to float your way through a broad collection of 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 content. And it is in order. You have to do it in a sequence that the instructor designed. And that sort of leads me to my next question that I think that a lot of faculty members are worried that we all have to contort uh, all of our very unique learning styles into this platform. But is there a case to be made that really can the platform work with your teaching philosophy, whatever it is? Absolutely. Um, in fact, 
what may become problematic for some departments down the road is it gives more flexibility for teaching philosophies to enter the classroom than the traditional classroom method, uh, which has such more of a limited uh, time-based and facility-based footprint. Um, when you start looking at the tools in, in, in Brightspace and the, the, the DAL instance, um, you're going to be able to influence learners to such a higher degree than you were before. And again, back to giving more of that customized learning um, that allows for you to give those you know, learners that excel the framework to move forward, the learners at risk, the framework to improve and meet, meet your outcome. Um, things like, you know, keeping in contact with your learners becomes, becomes more simple in ways once you use the tools, like watching things like class progress to just simply see who's logging in, who's not logging in. Looking at things like your content statistics. If you look at your content statistics in your course and you see that there's a key piece of fundamental information that only 50% of the class has, has actually read or opened, you will then need to look at yourself and say, okay, did I not tell them where to go? Was that me? Do mm -hmm. I need to improve on my communication to students or, or did they miss it for, for some other reason? Keeping up on the statistical uh, analysis that the course can provide you, uh, whether it be through surveys, content statistics, class progress, a variety of tools, will give you more real-time feedback of your learner progress that you're now not waiting for that midterm or that final to see that this. Having let Rob take a look at my Brightspace environment and then to have this chat with him, I found it really helpful. And if you would like the opportunity to work with Rob, to have a chat with him, to improve your own learning environment, here's how you can do it. Yeah, uh, abs you know, thanks, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that compliment to our session. It was really fun going through your your instance in your course shell and and kind of a path of discovery, which was is enjoyable for me as a you know an educator of the technology. We're all educators, and I'm you know educating you on the technology. I felt rewarded by being able to impart some information to you to help your learner outcome which is, is really going to be the focus of the next few months for faculties around the world. Um, you know, going forward, you know, I've got lots of places, you know, professors and, and instructors can go. The Dow uh, CLT page is actually a fantastic resource for um, your professors to go to. And when you start diving in and getting into some of their menus and some of their videos, they've really got some, some great resources online to start framing some of the things we've talked about and certainly some of the tool sets. Um, the other place I really would like, you know, uh, professors to consider going is uh, D2L has a community page and uh, community.brightspace.com. Uh, it's free to sign up for an account and you don't have to sign up for an account. And that will get you into a lot of other uh, different discussion boards and topic boards based on tools, based on other uh, similar academic type um, uh, structures, whether it be K to 12, um, in, you know, teachers, higher, higher ed, uh, academic or corporate where I come from in the corporate learning world. So there's a lot of great resources in the community of Brightspace, which also includes technical documents and links to different uh, videos, which they've been very progressive on their YouTube channel, that lots of the tools we've talked about today, and you've listed a lot off and I've listed a lot and you and I can probably do another session just on tools. Um, their YouTube channel is fantastic for uh, explaining in one to 
three minute micro uh, video sessions, you know, what the tools intended to do and some basic configurations. And I, I can't say enough about their YouTube channel. I uh, highly recommend that. Um, and just like your CLT page, uh, other academic institutions have support pages. And many of those academic uh, support pages are outward facing. You don't need credentials to get into them. And I found some fantastic resources on a lot of other universities and, and, and corporate pages that have um, their take on online learning and their take on the D2L tool toolset. And the good news is it's D2L, the way their system's built, although there's lots of things that can be customized, the core functionality of these tools is something you'll find universality in across, across the way. Um, and, you know, outside of that, then I would highly encourage you to, to reach out to other D2L, you know, subject matter experts, right? So um, in our environment here, just in Halifax, we have Dalhousie, we have St. Mary's, we have Nova Scotia Community College, we have Halifax Flyer, we have a lot of, a lot of places, New Brunswick Community College, uh, New Brunswick uh, uh, UNB is all on there. So there's lots of SMEs around us and really, you know, reaching out is, is a good plan. And for me in Halifax, um, you know, looking at this going forward and having been part of this, uh, both the D2L and kind of uh, the online uh, transition for the last 10 years working in, in this, um, we have a unique opportunity now to take learning to a new level. And, uh, you know, I've decided that I want to help be part of that for uh, institutions and professors like you. So um, I, I am going to be taking this, uh, taking this on the road um, and I will be making myself available for consultations um, with uh, departments or, or uh, institutions um, that would want to, uh, you know, bring me in as that outside source that third-party look at the tool sets and third-party look at, at the, uh, what you're looking to achieve with your course. Um, so I can, you know, I can be reached through my website at uh, yclo.ca, which is yourchieflearningofficer.ca. Uh, my email is robert at yclo.ca. And uh, if you didn't take that from the podcast, just get a hold of Bob, and Bob knows how to track me down. Always do, Rob. I can usually find you at the Halifax Curling Club many nights of the week when, of course, it's not a pandemic. Rob Belvo, thanks very much for joining us on Radio Fast and for not only offering your assistance to this very new, complicated and intimidating experience, but to, to also being available to, uh, to just a chat and to encourage people to, to look deeper into what's available for the online world. Thanks, Bob. 